We Podcast and We Know Things is supported by CastBox, the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 16 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. CastBox has also pioneered a brand new way to search. All you have to do is enter a keyword or phrase and CastBox will search all show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. So head on over to your app store, download CastBox and try it for yourself today. Hey, this is Jesse Kinch and you are listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as almost always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Take two, let's go. <laughs> I think that's better than podcasting on a Monday. It is Monday, May 14th. We are joined by a very special guest tonight coming fresh off the release of his first solo full-length album, Brave Ones, and embarking on an upcoming cross-country tour to promote the record, David Rosales. David, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this evening. Yeah, of course, guys. Yeah, well, I, I guess I should say this afternoon for you, you're out there in L.A. or close to L.A. Yeah, it's kind of- yeah, it's about 70, 70 degrees, a little sunny. Water, you, you had to rub, rub it in on a rainy Monday here. for us. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's 70 here, but it's raining, and there's uh, there's some one guy randomly mowing his lawn uh, in the rain. Nah, which, there's always one. There's always one guy that, that mows his lawn again. Thank you, thank you so much for taking the time. Get, we don't get rain so much over here, so it's, uh, we don't get, you, you know, it's such a crazy thing. Like, last year, you guys were all hit with a ton of snow. We didn't get, like, anything. And uh, it's, we've just been like a drought for like a handful of years here. So yeah, I remember. I think I I think it was like Preston and Steve. They talked about like people couldn't like wash their cars or nothing. Like it was like water watch or something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, you couldn't water you couldn't water your lawns, all this kind of stuff. It's like water, you know, um, saving water type of stuff. You know, they it rained so seldomly there in the show The OC. They dedicated an entire episode just to rain. <laughs> so well, I mean that's. That's what it is. Like everybody freaks out when it starts raining here. So. I can't imagine if it ever snowed. Uh, well, it does up in the mountains, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about California is you have the beach, and about an hour away, you can go snowboarding. That's really, really awesome. It's the right time of year, yeah. So that's, that's pretty rad. So we want to talk tonight about Brave Ones. We also want to talk tonight about the tour that you're about to go on, which, by the way, makes a stop in Philadelphia. Um, it'll be already. It'll already have happened by the time this episode gets released. However, you are one of seven siblings, uh, or you have seven siblings. Are you the only musician of the bunch? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like the uh, the black sheep of the family in a way. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I mean, you can kind of see where it comes from. Being the youngest, you're always kind of like, "Hey, look at me! Look at me!" You know, <laughs> like you're kind of like jumping off the uh, you know the the garage into the pool a little bit earlier than everybody else did, just because you're kind of doing what everybody else was doing. But um, I, nobody really played music except for my my next oldest brother. He he played a little bass. And uh, and in junior high, he's about six years older than me. So when he was in junior high school, I was I was in elementary school, and um, he he was watching. You know, I, I was the kid on the block that got to watch MTV a lot earlier than everybody else did. You know, or if at all, like I had friends that weren't not allowed to watch MTV. So like my whole like what I saw on TV was was like way more skewed than everybody else. You know, I was watching like Motley Crue videos and Guns N' Roses videos, like. You know, so my whole idea of like 
music and, and what was possible and what was cool was so different than, than everybody else. But, um, yeah, my brother used to go to, like, uh, junior high school, and then I would take out his white Yamaha bass from underneath his bed and strap it on and, and you know, uh, pretend I was Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, <laughs> like, like, you know, uh, you know for, for Paradise City, you know, like, um, so, the, you know, there was the whole, like, uh, you know, like the imagination of it all, you know, like, oh, this seems like a really cool thing, even before I knew that this was the road I was going to go down. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, but to answer your question, uh, no, nobody really played music or took it far, made it their occupation. You know, there was kind of futzing around with it um, when they were kids and stuff like that. But Did your it. brother ever uh, try out for the band? Uh, no, no, no. He's Yeah, he had his own band. They were called Probation. And, uh, man, they had like a little cassette tape and stuff. I used to think it was so cool. And then um, I think as I've gotten older, like my brother kind of lives through me a little bit. You know, cool. yeah. uh, especially when I was in a hard rock band and stuff, you know, he, he'd be like, oh, so what, what are you guys doing now? Or like, he'd come out to all the shows and, you know, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a good vibe. And my family's super supportive and yep. uh, always kind of, it always has been in a way. They've mm-hmm. always come out to shows and like, I think my mom thought that I was going to go to guitar and, uh, and it was just going to be a phase, you know, mm-hmm. but then it ended up just sticking with me throughout my whole life and it was always there and um my dad when i when i left i'm probably jumping around here a lot but when i was uh when i was out of college and and i was working at sony pictures right out of college for, uh, in the marketing department and i left a couple of years into that gig which is like totally corporate but very very cool job and uh, above my pay grade at, for the for the age i was but i just somehow managed to get this job um when i left that everybody kind of was like, what are you doing? You know, and I, yeah. I, was like, well, I saved that money and I'm, I just don't want to sit in a cubicle all day. That's just right. not my thing. There's got to be a different way to do this. And when I told my dad, who's a big, we're a big sports family. I grew up playing football and baseball and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I explained to him that it was, hey, dad, I'm like, kind of like a minor league baseball team. You know, you travel around in these kind of uh, crap conditions and, you know, but you're playing, you know, to not a lot of people at this, you know, uh, nondescript kind of uh, baseball field, and eventually you might get a shot. You know, but uh, so when I explained it to him in that way, that that it was kind of like playing minor league baseball, where I was, and uh, he, he kind of got it a little bit more, and, and kind of was like, oh, okay, I, I get, it. I understand now. Yeah, that's a special feeling to have. I mean, not everybody has the support system like that, so it's really nice to have that. Um, I know, you know, just speaking from experience uh, for Sam and I. We've done this show for coming up on two years. We didn't skip. Well, the only time we skipped a week was when I got married and went on my honeymoon. So we skipped two. Okay. We, we skipped two weeks out of two years. We've uploaded consistently every single week, and we've had seventeen interviews just on this show alone. So, and when you're doing that for wow. when you're doing that for minimal to no money, you got to have a good support system. Sam yep. comes over here. You know, I got married uh, in September, so you know, I'm like, hey, sweetheart, I know that we're trying to enjoy our our life and this, that, and the other, but uh, Sam's coming over at seven in the morning again to record a podcast. And <laughs> I know in, Buddy's coming over. we're going to do some stuff. Here. Yeah, yeah. And in two weeks I'm doing a podcast on a Tuesday night at midnight. She told me I'm not allowed to do it upstairs. Okay. I have to do it <laughs> downstairs where she's not sleeping. Uh, but you know, right, right. we're with you on the support system and it's cool. And I like that you kind of um, compared yourself to a, 
a minor league baseball team or just yeah, sports in general. I like that analogy. I'm a sports fanatic as well, so that that spoke yeah. to me pretty pretty highly. I feel the same. I think my dad and mom felt the same way about me picking up a skateboard as they did for you with a guitar, thinking it was just going to be a phase. It turned out that that was my vehicle as a child. I won't say like I guess vehicles too literal because yeah. I, I wrote it, but uh, that was what <laughs> no, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. that's what I did as a child. It, it turned out that I. I got somewhere with it before I had to stop, and and but you're still rocking okay. and rolling. Yeah, you're still rocking and rolling, which is awesome. And you know, I know you said you skipped a little forward. We'll take it back just a little bit. Uh, how and when did you first I fall in love with me? Here, real quick, real what's, quick. What's I that? always wanted to get. I always wanted because I was a big skateboarder too, mm-hmm. um, and I love skateboarding. And, and I had all these traditional sports, but then I also had the surfing and the skateboarding and the snowboarding and thing. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one out of my family that would do that too. But I always wanted to get sponsored. Uh, my whole goal was like, oh, I want to get sponsored skateboarding. You know, I always wanted to get sponsored by the local like, skate shop down the yeah, street. And, yeah. Like you watch your, you watch your videos and you're like, oh, I just want to get sponsored. Didn't even really know what that meant. Yeah. Turns out like never happened, but <laughs> eventually I got sponsored by or endorsed by a guitar company and, and you know, things and you know, all these different other things, you know? So it's just funny how life takes you to like, Oh, I want to get sponsored for this. Or, yeah. And then it just kind of goes, you just kind of kind of follow it. I, yeah, I was lucky that I got sponsored by my local skate park. Um, Don't feel bad, uh, David. I, I didn't get sponsored when I skated. <laughs> no, Sam. Sam made a habit of falling on his face. No offense, buddy. I love hey. it. Then I retired. Everybody, everybody's got to win at something, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was cool though. I I loved my time doing that, but then I realized that that's not a profession I can do forever. I don't think I'd I'd be here if I still did that. <laughs> my body went through so much at such oh. a young. I was sixteen when I got sponsored. I was eight. Yeah. I was eighteen when I stopped. I still skate maybe once a month just to keep it going. Um, but I've since but put the on sponsoring days are over, and I've put on a lot of what they call happy weight. So I'm <laughs> yeah, about yeah. I'm about twice the size I was when I was sixteen. So uh, I just uh, I have a buddy that that does a kickflip every birthday. So he goes out. He's a he's a pedal steel player here at Huntington Beach. He's, he's amazing. He's one of the best um, guitar players that I know. Um, and he goes out with like rollerblading wrist guards like all geared up and stuff like that because you know it's, <laughs> that's it's awesome but he's a total skater yeah. and he's about 42 though so he's a little bit older but he he does a kickflip like every every birthday and he films it and it's just awesome you're always just like yeah go jeremy that's cool <laughs> that's an awesome tradition yeah. that's a really cool tradition yeah yeah, I don't have I don't have any such. My birthday's in three days. I don't have such a tradition. Start the kickflip. I'll be thirty, so I, I turn the big three zero in just a couple of days here. But you, nice. you said earlier, thank you. You said earlier you went a little too far. I'm gonna bring it back a little yeah. bit. How and when okay, did yeah. you first fall in love with music? We want to hear the origin story. Um, I think, I think, I think it was probably from my older brothers and sisters that were just listening uh, to, to everything. You know, I got. What I what I would call like hand me down music, mm-hmm. you know. So, like I said, I was listening to Guns N' Roses, Molly Crew, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, um, you know, and then some, a lot of big band jazz and country for my mom. And so I got a ton of like music that just kind of got passed down, and I didn't really understand what I was listening to at the time. But um, like things do, they kind of shape you and, and different things. And uh, I asked my my grandfather uh, from North Dakota. Um, he's my mom's dad so I'm first generation California so my mom's born in North Dakota my dad's from Texas and um, so they they met in LA in Los Angeles and, and had this family and stuff mm-hmm. and um, but uh, yeah so, so my grandfather um, got, got wind that I wanted a guitar so he sent me out this old like 
a beat up uh, nylon string acoustic guitar that he found at like this yard sale in, in a North Dakota barn. And he sent it out to me and uh, I had no idea how to play it. I just knew that I, that this was like, like what you were saying, the vehicle that I needed to, to kind of get out whatever I was hearing in my head. Um, so I was definitely hearing some music and, and voices and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, we all hear voices at times. Yeah. Mine don't speak uh, English, so I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> they, they speak in Latin, right? Yes. Some Greek, <laughs> some Latin. So, yeah. Um, so we, uh, so I got that guitar and I started playing tunes, started putting my fingers in different spots, started, um, you know, I was really big, um, uh, you know, hard rock metal kind of really spoke to me. So I was learning a bunch of Metallica and, um, and Guns N' Roses and Zeppelin, kind of like what every, you know, kid listens to, you know, in the rock world and stuff. Yeah. So that kind of influenced me, um, you know, skateboarding and, and doing all that stuff. You know, I got introduced to, to punk rock. A lot of the, a lot of the punk that I, that I got introduced to was through skate videos, you know, through Thrasher and, and through like girl four one one. Yeah, four one one. Yeah, I mean it was all same. So much good music. Swing and utter is rancid. You know, the first time. Like I just, um, I did an interview where somebody was asking me like my top ten favorite albums, and I was like, well, how, and how come the Wolves mm. is one of my favorite wow. uh, punk albums? Yep. Just because the whole album is so good, and it kicks off with Maxwell Murder, and it kicks in with this like killer, aggressive, melodic. It was everything. You know, it was, it was really cool. And then. Um, and then I kind of went backwards, you know, to like I do with everything, like we tend to do. You know, you, you learn about uh, this movie star, this rock star, whatever, and you kind of go backwards and check out their whole catalog, you know, sure. yeah. see where they came from, you know, type of thing. And um, so, you know, got into punk rock, got into a band, like, in seventh and eighth grade. Like, in my elementary school before that, I was the only kid that was wearing, like, a Metallica t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, like, that's where it was, you know? So, um and then, uh, you know, getting into skateboarding, punk rock, uh, garage band in, in junior high, yeah. playing at, like, high school dances and friends' parties. It's, um, it's okay, we, though. We I played at one part. I, I was going to say real Sorry? quick, it's okay that you were the only one wearing a Metallica shirt. There was a time in my life where I was the only kid wearing an NSYNC t-shirt. So that's an embarrassing... That happens, though. That, happens. that, 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 <laughs> was, a, that was a rough couple of years, rough couple of years for me in my life there. I had to, I had to answer a lot of questions. <laughs> We all have those embarrassing kind of moments. <laughs> My brother decided actually, to tell me about it. Actually, pretty good. They were, you know, they had some good, they had, they had uh, some good, good voices, you know? They have good but, voices. Uh, we'll leave it at that, yeah. <laughs> well, good voices, you know? Good voices, you know? It was all probably Pro Tools depth and, uh, yeah. you know, they, uh, yeah. they that, did their thing. On Windows 98, yeah, I hear you. I got gotcha. you. You know what? The cool thing is they got a shot. Yep. They, they did their thing and they got a shot, and uh, that's, uh, whether you hate them or love them, yep. anybody that's kind of made it, you, you got to go, well... They did something right. And to yeah. this day, they probably eat for free wherever they go. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> And have way more money right. than us. And, yeah, and way more money. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off there. You can continue. My bad. No, no, no. Um, yeah, they just kind of got, just playing in bands off and on through high school. Um, and then, uh, like, later on in high school, I, I, uh, I wanted to get the whole Hollywood, like, kind of Sunset Strip experience and stuff. So I... I uh, there was an old magazine called the uh, Recycler, and it was kind of like a, a classified um, kind of thing. And and there was an ad for like uh, you know ACDC, Guns N' Roses. You know, if you like this, 
then you're probably our lead guitar player type of thing. So I went out, and I was I was about 18, so I was my senior year of high school, and um, and these guys were all like what I thought was ancient at the time, like 25, 29. And I was like, oh my god, these guys are old, but but they're the only guys that like the kind of music that I like. So yeah. so I started playing uh, in their band, and um, you know my girlfriend was like 17 and I used to like say she was our photographer to sneak her into shows and stuff. And, um, I, I mean, I couldn't even be in the, I was 21 and over and stuff. So I was right. kind of like in just cause I was playing, Yeah. but I got a lot of experience there. Um, you know, stuff that was kind of, I got the whole rock and roll thing there, uh, where I was going to, you know, uh, rehearsals on Hollywood Boulevard at this place called the conglomerate. I don't think it's there anymore. I think Lincoln Park was rehearsing there, a bunch of other people. But I would go in, and um, real cool fact was behind the conglomerate, there was like this faded sign, uh, like graffiti on the wall, but it was painted. It was a legit kind of like business sign. It said the world of Bruce Lee. Uh, and so I guess it was Bruce Lee's old studio or something like that. It was, uh, it was a wild thing. I was like, I always kind of thought that was really cool. Yeah, that is. Big Bruce that's Lee awesome. Guy. And, um, and so... Uh, but my bass player was doing like coke next to me and I was like, oh, I got calculus in the morning. Oh, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess this is what rock and roll is, but, uh, you know, so I, I have a four page paper. I have a four page paper due on the effects of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you be my test subject? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but it was, it was just wild, you know, all these experiences. I, I got experiences through music that, that I don't think any, I would have gotten doing anything else. Uh, you know, it's a really weird, topsy-turvy, beautiful world that uh, rock and roll music is. I mean, the, it's a artists are just a it's a it's a weird bunch, but a really cool uh, community to be involved with, um, both good and bad. But uh, yeah, I, I did that. Went to went to college, went to a community college for a couple of years, and um, and met uh, a friend from high school there that got. I think he got kicked out of his college that he was going to he was going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo which is in the middle of California and he got kicked out of there for I think buying beer underage or something like that so I saw him at community college and I was like hey Steve what's going on man and he's like hey dude uh he's like you still playing guitar I'm like oh yeah yeah and um and I just had a girl that broke up with me so I was writing a bunch of songs and uh you know just kind of like borrowing my so- and sorrows and stuff and uh um and uh so Steve and I started a band uh, for, it was called Silent Treatment, and we were all going, we got other guys that were in about the same age as us, and uh, we just kind of, you know, uh, went around the country, we got signed to a little, a little indie label, um, and uh, completely different than the type of music that, that you would associate me with if you just started hearing me. It was kind of like, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses meets Queens of the Stone Age, STP type stuff, so it was in that kind of blues hard rock vein and stuff but i was dancing around a lot jumping around on things you know like a monkey and stuff and uh, <laughs> no. it was a lot of fun and, and definitely definitely a time and a place for it um you know it was a lot of jaeger <laughs> it was a lot of uh yeah a lot of hard hard liquor and uh and bad decisions yeah. sure you know it's like it was my 20s you know so yep. it felt good <laughs> and my, my liver could handle that you know? <laughs> and uh and i could i could handle not getting much sleep and um yeah, it was a totally different world, and uh, and then eventually, as as things come to pass, you know, the band ended, 
and uh, but it was a lot of time. It was probably about eight, ten years that we were all in this band together. Mm. Um, you know, but we were going to school, finishing up college and stuff. So we were kind of had one foot in, one foot out, and then we really kind of gave it a go. We moved into this rock and roll fraternity house. We called it. It was in uh, the South Bay of L.A. Mm. Um, this place called Torrance, Redondo Beach area, and um, we'd all graduated college, and we we're. Um, I was a couple of years out of college and then these guys graduated and we, we, uh, framed up walls in between each other. We were living in this old recording studio and, um, and we framed up walls in a shower and we cooked on hot plates. I mean, it was really kind of like, it was, it was a rock and roll fraternity house. It's awesome. <laughs> if there's any such thing, we used to throw parties like once a month for money and, um, it was the craziest, wildest time. I mean, it was a lot of Mario Kart, and a lot of oh, drinking, yeah. a lot of keggers, all this kind of stuff. You know, that you're just doing with your buddies. It was like, it was a great time. You were just living the uh, dream. Yeah, well, I mean, it was crazy because we got the bright idea that we were all living in this place. And then we were upstairs drinking beers on the, on the roof. And uh, we shared a parking lot with this kind of uh, Korean tapas bar or something like that. Places that the um, these guys would go to and, and get drunk, you know, after their, their job across the street or whatever. And... Um, and one night a fight broke out and we're like, holy crap, what is that? And, uh, this guy pulls out this golf club and he starts beating these other guys with it. Like people are on the ground. There's blood. I mean, it's like, but it's just kind of good brawl. It was like warriors, you know, oh, like this, this gang fight, you know? And we're like, holy crap, you know? And then probably about an hour after the last guy left, police drove by and we're like, huh, we could totally throw a party here. <laughs> so we, we, we would throw parties and then we um, one of the guys was in construction so we built up like a stripper pole and we built framed out a bar we had our biggest friend bounce at the door for us and collect money and eventually he'd get drunk and, and he'd start a fight with somebody by the end of the night so it was kind of counterproductive but it worked out you know pretty well <laughs> like that's you had your own business weird, that's awesome fun time man you know what the best yeah, part yeah but the craziest thing was the guys were like, okay, we, we need something to put this over the top. So I put in an ad in, uh, I think it was Craigslist, and I'm like, hey, go good answers, auditions. And uh, and so we would we would hold like, we would have clipboards. I made sure it was all kind of professional looking. But these girls would come in probably like, I think it was like 10 or 12 that wanted to come and audition for this like rock and roll show that we promoted. And, um, and then we got like probably... There was the four of us plus maybe four other of our friends. And we sat with like some beers and stuff like that and like the rehearsal room, which was this big it was not like what you think of as like a small rehearsal room. It was like a big thing with can lighting, a booth, like it was a really nice with a stage and everything. And so what we would do is we'd put on like they would walk in, it was kind of like this nondescript warehouse and uh they it's so weird because now thinking back, like having like kind of 2020 on it and kind of perspective, I'm like, God, why would, why would these girls walk into this like environment? It's so they, we could kill them or something. <laughs> like it was this crazy thing where, where, where they're just like walking in and, uh, and then we're, we're basically, uh, we had like, you know, clipboards and going like, Oh my God, this is the greatest idea. And they were, you know, dancing for, you know, a couple songs like in front of us. So it was like our own private kind of like, go-go dancing show and we were like this is the greatest idea ever so uh and then we we just we had a i think we did a couple more of those and uh yeah it was just wild times man it was just a really crazy thing and then um like i said the, the band ended and uh and then we um so i i had recorded like a 
uh, this acoustic album. It wasn't it wasn't meant for anybody. It wasn't meant for anybody else's ears except for like family and friends or something like that. When the band ended, I had nowhere else to kind of go, so I was like, well, I'll follow this and see where this goes. So I started playing like um, at different like hotels and and um, wine wineries and stuff, like totally different venues than what I'd been playing before. These people were like like a steady gig of playing for three hours. I didn't have enough material for three hours, let alone um, playing by myself acoustic, which seems so stripped down without a band behind you and distortion to hide behind. It was just a different um, thing altogether. You know, I got a steady gig. They were feeding me at these hotels and wineries. They were giving me wine. They were giving me um, tips and buying my merch and doing all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I'm not having a fight for like a Budweiser. I, I can actually see being a musician for like a career here. Like, yeah. This is crazy. And so I started doing that and then, you know, met up with some other people and like a band formed. And so, yeah, one thing led to another. And like, then you started... I started releasing like EPs, you know, that I actually intended for people to listen to and uh, doing press and going around the country and things started getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, but it, it started very kind of like, okay, let's just see where this goes. You know, don't mm -hmm. really know. Yep. It's completely different from any, anything that I had ever done before. So, um, but that was cool. You know, you gotta be willing to kind of jump out of your comfort zone like that. You know, if you, if you don't, you're never going to figure out what you're made of. So, do, do you know what the best thing yeah. about the last the, that last answer that you just gave was? It was that you answered probably the next six questions that we had. <laughs> we're, oh, over, sorry, we're, we're over here. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. We're over here on the other end like, all right, skip this one, skip this one, skip this one. He nailed it. He got it. He nailed it. Uh, but it, it does lead to this. What are some things that you have learned from being in a band, from being in other projects that you've actually adapted to your solo career, whether there's some do's or some don'ts? You know, I think I think one of the biggest things is patience, and I, I think I learned that pretty recently. Um, just because of this whole project, the, the the last album that I did, I had to be really patient with it. Normally, you go into a recording session, you're in there for like a week or two weeks, and you're in and out, you're putting out the record, you're going on tour, it's really quick. This time, I had a lot of time to think about it, for better or for worse. Um, so I had a lot of time to kind of trust that process. I recorded some things uh, again, just because they weren't vibing, I, you know, kind of was like, eh, I don't really think that this is the way I wanted to do it. Um, my producer's like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, let's, let's just do it again, man. We've already taken this much time. Let's, let's go ahead. You know, he's like, oh, okay, I'll be back in two months, you know? And so I'd have it all written out and stuff and, and ready to go. But, um, I think patience with people understanding that, that, uh, it ain't the end of the world. If, uh, you know, if your song doesn't end up exactly the way that you wanted it to, meaning that when you go into a writing situation with somebody, like anybody, you have an ego, um, and you're going, this is the best song. And then this other person comes in and goes, mm, well, this could change. This could make it better. You're all born for the same goal, to make it the best song possible. Yeah. But you can get your, you know, you get, you know, your butt hurt, you know, by uh, sure, sure. going in there with an ego. So I think patience and understanding that, that your ego has to, kind of um you got to let it rest sometimes um another thing would be i think understanding that just people have lives you know that mm -hmm. that um people are people and there are other things going on in their life and maybe this band or this music isn't the only thing and like it is for me you know i also have a family you know and and so um you know 
yeah, music's my number one, and and uh, so is my family. So it's, it kind of shares this this area. You know, everything else kind of comes after. My yeah. friends understand that. I go, I go, I leave. You know, sometimes I get to go surfing. We have this thing called Surf Club. Sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. You know, but but if, if they're your true friends and they understand what you're doing, you know, they're yeah. they're down for the cause. So I think those three things, kind of understanding just the way life works a little bit more, is I think music's just taught me a lot about life. Uh, as weird as that sounds, just because it's a a um, it's a very intimate thing that I'm doing. Uh, I'm sharing a lot of myself, and I'm sharing a lot with other people that I'm playing with or that I'm have an audience with. It's a very crazy thing to open yourself up like this, um, but yet it's a beautiful thing because other people are connecting with you. And if, you, if you're not completely honest about what you're doing, people can see through that bullshit really easily. Mm-hmm. So, we hear you. We hear you. You know, yeah. So that that, that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Now, before we jump right. into brave ones, what have you released before, and how can people find your songs? Um, let's see. Um, I've released a band or a, um, an EP called Smile, which is everything's on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and all that kind of stuff. But Smile was the EP. That was that first one that I didn't really intend for anybody to listen to. Um, and there's some good stuff on there. I met a girl named Olivia uh, with an amazing voice. I did duet song in my head. And I met her. Was it Olivia May? Out in Hollywood. Yeah, Olivia May. Okay. Yeah, she's an amazing actress, and um, I think she just had a baby. And um, yeah, she's she's great. And we did a. After that Smile album, we started to do a lot of duo stuff together at wineries up and down California coast, and um, we went, we came over to New York and, and Philly and stuff, and, and did some stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, we released an EP together. That was a really beautiful thing. And uh, and she was just, we were just, it was awesome. She has such a great talent, such a raw voice, and we we're just like brother sister together. It was it was a lot of fun um, drinking together and hanging out and, and singing. And, and you then, also uh, after that, what was that? No, no, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. And then after that, I did an album, uh, an EP called "Along the Way," and um, and that's uh, everything. Is like I said, is on Pandora and, and Spotify and, and all that, all those different uh, distribution channels that everybody goes to nowadays. Um, and uh, yeah, and that brings us to here to, to Brave Ones. So it's it's been a little bit of time since uh, I think 2014 is when I last released my uh, last kind of um, effort which was uh, along the way and uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to get back out there um, and uh, push this album it was just yeah I love being on the road but I love being at home it's like a it's like a balance thing so and you also have a really cool YouTube page where you have you know most of your songs you have you know like behind the scenes featurettes you have a you know couple covers yeah. Jack Johnson Bob Marley Tom Petty so your music yeah, range no, is I, all over yeah, all those, those uh, it's, a, it's a little series I have called Rosie's Ramble, and uh, so last name being Rosales, and I just wanted something that kind of went with the R theme. So, you know how that goes, and uh, it was just something to kind of build time up in between when the album was released. I plan on doing some more. I just know a ton of covers, and I love singing other people's songs. You know, you learn a lot about songwriting and how things go together by uh, learning somebody else's uh, song. And then you can kind of adapt it or take what you want from it and make it your own. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, my influences are all over the place. So I play a little country, a little reggae, a little rock. Or, I mean, it's all, 
you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm so influenced by so many types of music. Nobody's just into like one type of music anymore. Everybody's into like a million different kinds of music. So, yeah, I really like the <clears throat> the behind the scenes you gave Alice the dog a producer's credit. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's Matt's. Uh, that's Matt's dog. She was there for everything. So you know, I felt, I felt obligated. I was like, you know what? She's been hanging. So <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That's very nice of you. And how did you come up with the the band of scoundrels? The band of scoundrels. Well, I, well, I, I kind of wanted to differentiate between when I'm playing solo um, and when I'm playing with my band. So it's a com- it's not a completely different thing, but as you can imagine, there's only so much you can do yeah. as a vocal and an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. So you get that like Ray LaMontagne vibe or whatever, you know, this singer songwriter thing. And then when you add pieces on kind of orchestrate the music that you hear in your head and you kind of get a little bit bigger it becomes more of a show and it becomes more of like you can kind of see my rock roots kind of come out a bit more in that type of a show um and uh but i love i mean i love everything where it's almost like a wave you know when you're surfing every wave is different just like every performance is a little bit different i love the variety playing solo playing with the trio playing full band which is my seven piece um Hmm. so Eventually, you know, I'd love to tour around the country with them, but, you know, it's, it takes a lot of cash to do that. So. Sure. Now, um, so I get them out. I think we're going to be coming back out to um, to the East Coast in October, and yep. I'll be bringing a trio out. So that'll be a little bit different than the solo that I'm bringing out right now. Now, not only are we going to have all your tour dates linked in the description to this episode, we're also going to have where you can pick up Brave Ones. We're going to have your YouTube page all linked in the episode of this description. Uh, I'm sorry, description of this episode, but we're also going to have your social media, uh, your Twitter, your Instagram handles as well. We, of course, follow you on Twitter and Instagram. We uh, highly, highly advise that everybody out there listening does the same. If you want to follow David, you can just go head down into the uh, description of this episode on iTunes, CastBox, wherever. Click the link. It'll take you right there. Boom. Two seconds, and you can uh, follow David along as he goes on tour. Now, Brave Ones is out. Where did you record it, and how long were you in the studio? Uh, recorded it out in this place. So I live at the beach. So, um, you don't say from the beach. <laughs> you don't say, yeah, <laughs> you don't say, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, the West coast here, it's, uh, the beaches are beautiful and the women are even more beautiful. So it's <laughs> like, you, once you come to the beach, you, you don't want to leave. Sure. So I raised my family here and this is, this is where we're at. And normally I'm recording somewhere around here or up in LA, but this time something real special because I got the chance to record with, uh, a friend of mine that's produced a bunch of other stuff for me. Um, but he lives out in this place called the high desert, high deserts in the Mojave desert. It's behind, I guess the tallest peak of Los Angeles, which is Mount San Antonio or otherwise known as Mount Baldy. So, um, if you watch my good to be alive, a music video, that's Mount Baldy that I'm running on. Mm-hmm. So it's really high up there, gets snow and, uh, you know, people ski and stuff there and snowboard. And, uh, but, but it's definitely some alpine climbing. I think it's like 10,000 feet up. But on the back side of that is this place called the High Desert. It's the High Desert, and there's the Low Desert. The Low Desert is like Coachella, the Coachella Festival, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It gets really hot out there, um, but it doesn't snow out there. It's it's uh, just it's pretty big hot. Um, high Desert is a different kind of climate uh, where it gets really hot, but it gets really cold too, and it can snow out there. And um, and so it's up higher in elevation as well, but it's got that desert climate as well. So I would drive out inland from the beach, um, going east, and uh, it was a really beautiful drive, but it would take about an hour and a half. 
uh, depending on traffic and stuff. That's right. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of put me in the right, right frame of mind because you, you drive past these really beautiful mountains and, and this kind of desert, weird Martian kind of, you know, uh, terrain. And so it was just kind of like put you in this really, it was just ready to go record time, you know? Right, yeah, right in the so middle of Area 51. <laughs> What was that? Right in the middle of Area 51. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, yeah. It, it kind of felt like that, yeah. Um, kind of freaky. Yeah, it was, it was It was kind of freaky, but um, also kind of cool, because I'm a big horror movie guy, so sure. that was, uh, yeah, I love I love anything kind of freaky. I bet you the nighttime can get a little weird around there. You hear a noise, and you're like, what the? You know what? Yeah, and the people get a little bit weird. Because <laughs> uh, there's, there's not a whole lot out there. Big, yeah. big plots of land, dirt roads. Sure. I mean... And, uh, but the town itself, uh, you know, and the, and the people out there, it's uh, a little bit suspect, you know? So. <laughs> Our podcast mysteriously does not reach that area, so they'll never hear that. Yeah, mysteriously. No. <laughs> now, so. how is Brave Ones different, not to say it has to be, from your other previous releases? It's longer. Uh, <laughs> it's, how does uh, it, perfect. Uh, how does it build upon your other releases as well? Yeah, sure. No, it's, it's 11 songs to an EP, which is like six six songs, but it um, I think it's a culmination of all those those previous I would say smile along the way, and then on the sea, which is the one I did with David and Olivia. It's all three of those taking the best parts of those and just kind of making them even better. I was really kind of finding my sound, like like I was just saying, I didn't I didn't really come into this. It was kind of like it, it just happened. So. I was really kind of finding my way and what my sound was or who I was as this kind of um, Americana folk artist, you know? And so I found something I was really comfortable with, but as you can tell on the album, there's a bunch of uh, variety as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple curveballs in there where I throw in some mariachis just for the fun of it, or I throw in like the seventies kind of rock groove, you know, at the end uh, with, with uh, like a drum circle. So there's kind of like little things. And that's what I've always gotten off on, on albums is like, you have like um, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, and every song doesn't sound the same, but yet they all kind of work together, which is extremely Um, important. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. You know, and when you, when you listen to a Led Zeppelin album, every Mm -hmm. song doesn't sound the same. Every one is its own little thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm Led Zeppelin or anything like that, but but it kind of follows that that route where I want I want people to listen to this as an album. And I know albums are kind of a dead thing, but to an artist, majority of artists, they're like, mm, this is this is like my body of work. This is like mm-hmm. the whole this is the whole snapshot of where I am right now. So yeah, it's a it's a real cool thing, and and uh, I would say just to answer your question a bit more clearly. Uh, how is it different? I think that it's, I think that I was allowed the space I needed to kind of flush out the ideas that I, that I was not able to flush out fully in the past. So these are the ideas flushed out completely. Now, what I'm about to say is a huge compliment. I want you to make no mistake about that. You may hear, (laughs) you may hear this and think, what the hell is this guy talking about? I promise you, I mean this. Like in sync. (laughs) I I promise I mean this in the utmost respect. And it it would be cool shit if someone said this to me about my crappy music. The the title track on your record, on Brave Ones, it happens to also be the opening Uh track on the record. That to me. I'm sorry? That to me, when I first. Is it the opening track, or at least it is on SoundCloud? 
Yeah, yeah. Brave okay. ones come with me. Yes. Um, the first time I heard that, which was what four, four or five days ago. Um, okay. The first thing I thought of was this song belongs in a Toy Story movie. And yeah, it's it's, it's happy. It's uh, toe tapping. It's, it's and it's got I that. To start the album off. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was a good spot. Yeah, to, to me, it was a mix of Paul Newman and Jack Johnson with your own twist on it. Now, listening to the rest of the record, I understand kind of the vibe and the flow of that record and how every song builds off the last one, but it's not the same. But I said, this this song has to be in a movie soundtrack somewhere at some point. Got to make that happen. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Let's get let's get on that. <laughs> and, so, and, and they are working on Toy yeah. Story Four, so they're they still are working on Toy Story Four. Listen, we had a couple movie directors I mean, that, on the show. We'll we'll try to uh, <laughs> we'll try to reach back out to our contacts, and make that make yeah. that happen. Well, that's that's great. I mean, that's that's the vibe. I mean, it's a happy go lucky kind of song that I wanted to just kind of kind of ease people into this, but yet make a statement like, "Hey, this is something." What I want to do on this album, when when you break it down, I you know you kind of go in with goals for an album. I wanted people to be able to move their hips. I wanted people to be able to move to the music um, and kind of dance around, feel good. Uh, and, and so I think that I accomplished that, especially in the first song um, with kind of uh, this, this toe tapper of a tune. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a lot of Motown uh, mm-hmm. during the recording of this um, on those long drives out there. I was listening to, um, there's a couple of records that I was listening to a lot of like, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, who, the, what, what were you listening to? Yeah, there, well, I was listening to a ton of, ton of Motown. Um, so the, all those, you can suddenly hear those Motown drums, the four on the floor type of thing, mm-hmm. um, in, in various spots in the album. Um, and, uh, and there's some Motown grooves and stuff. But uh, I was listening to a lot of like the Daniel Rateliff and the Night Switch, which is an yep. amazing album. I just I love that, that vibe. Um, I was also listening to a lot of Bahamas, which is uh, this artist from Toronto that's on Jack Johnson's label. Um, so his name is A.P. Gervanen, and he's an amazing... Um, he just thinks about songs completely differently than I do, and um, and it's really refreshing to kind of hear how he's thinking about things. And um, uh, I saw him at this record store when he was doing a live performance, and I was totally a fanboying him up. I was like, oh, you're, you're amazing. And I brought his record, or the, yeah, I bought the, the album and stuff. Right. And I was like, can you sign it to my daughter? He's like, yeah, sure, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. Her, her name is I'm David. Like, yeah, her name, her name is David. Uh, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's good to have those. You always got to look up to people, you know? And like, right. the guy's probably my age. Right. And, um, but it's just, so stoked on the way that this guy views his art and uh so that uh, i think it was bahamas is ac is the album that i was listening to hmm. and um what else was i listening to i was listening to a lot of ryan adams uh yeah Astros sure. And fire sure um my producer had that on vinyl and he turned it on and never heard it before and i was just like oh my god this album sounds so buttery and warm and can we make it like this? <laughs> he's like, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, seven, eight done with this, man. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was just, uh, all those kind of influences. And then, um, it kind of found their way in, I'm sure a little bit, uh, you know, it's straight too far away from the singer songwriter thing. So, sure. um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I was listening to. Well, pardon the pun on the, uh, I guess on the title of one of your EPs, but it, when I'm listening to Brave Ones, the only thing I could have done was smile. It is that type of record. Uh-huh. 
Nice. Very uplifting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Very uplifting. Extremely inspirational. Yeah. There's a, thank you, man. Yeah, there's only one song on there that's kind of a downer. Yeah. It's, it's the slower one. It, and I put it in the back, but then I put Good to Be Alive right after, so it brought you back up. Right. Um, and that was that was a song. It's called Carry Me Away. And it's probably, you know, it's a song that's buried. It's a deep track. Um, there are songs that on this album where I was like, oh, this is, this is hot. This is going to be a single, or this is going to be you know, a tentpole for this album. And then there are songs where I'm like, this is, this is vibe for the album. You know, this is just, just has to be in here. It's, it, it gives a, a vibe for the album and a feeling. And, uh, and I think those songs are so important. Um, you know, people call them a throwaway or something like that, but, but the artist always intends for them to be there. Um, but this song was kind of like the outlier in a different way because it was a song that I needed to put on the record. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, get a little deep and dark for a second and I'll bring it back up. But, um, over the course of like a six week period when I was writing, um, this album, there were three people that committed suicide that were really close to either myself or my wife. And, um, and so it kind of hit me really hard. And, uh, you know, so I, and the last one was a crazy thing because it was a guy that had, Two boys and a, and a third one on the way. Wife was pregnant, and uh, they got into a fight. And um, and he goes. They find him. They, they can't find him that night. They find him the next morning in a church parking lot, and he OD'd. Um, he OD'd, but he, he did it with, with a strength and and a drug that that you go. Oh, he committed suicide. You can just tell. And. Um, and it's, it's one of those crazy things where I'm going like, man, like that's kind of like the worst possible thing to leave your family, to, to be so selfish or to be in that deep and dark of a spot that, that that's the only way that you feel like you have out, but yet to have those boys. So that was, that was kind of as a dad, you know, that's the part where I'm just going like, Oh my God, I can't it just hit me. I couldn't, I couldn't even like fathom what that was like. Yeah. And so I, the only thing that an artist can do is try and put themselves in that person's spot. So then what I try to do is try to be there, but yet I try to be there from us with my own interpretation of that, where I'm leaving. And these are my last conversations to my wife or to my, to my kids or whatever like that, you know? So it's a really morbid place to be in. And it kind of broke me down a little bit. I couldn't write. I couldn't even want to touch the guitar after I wrote the tune, but this kind of has to be on there because maybe it'll speak to somebody. Maybe it'll kind of pull somebody out and go like, Hey, maybe this isn't worth it. Or maybe it's going to give somebody that, that has had it happen and they're the family and maybe it'll kind of give them some solace or some, some sort of closure because that's the big thing. You don't get any closure with a suicide there's no closure it's like what the person left like they they, there's no like hey this is why i left really i mean maybe you get a note or something like that but you don't really know so it's you know and then with the deaths of like chris cornell and and, then chester bennington i mean chris cornell just beat me up just because i'm a huge huge soundgarden fan huge chris cornell fan and um you know just it just I just don't get it. And I, and I understand that I've never been uh, one with mental illness, so it's yeah, I couldn't possibly understand. But um, I have mental illness in the family, and my wife does. So I try and 
in that way, I've kind of grown up a lot to try and understand where these people are coming from and what's going on. And, and that it is really tough to understand the place that they're in. I mean, it's like almost impossible. So, yeah, man. So that, you know, and then you build, build you back up with, with uh, good to be alive right after that song. <laughs> yeah. First yeah. of all, I just want to say sorry to hear about that. That was, you know, it's a tough story to yeah, tell. That's mm-hmm. tough. It's a tough story to hear. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough it's, to tell. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, but uh, one that's very common, I guess, you know, today. And I think something that we get numb to, Yeah. Um, you know, with social media, everything we get so numb to now, you know, sure. just any sort of death, any sort of killing or, or shooting or anything like that, you get numb to it. You know, something else kind of takes its place, you know, with your social media. Like, one day it's like 13 people died, next day it's like 25, and you're like, oh, all right, well, mm-hmm. this is crazy. But uh, I'm, I'm okay here. You know? Yeah, I have a new appreciation you know? for your song. It's good to be alive because I did watch the music yeah. video. Yeah, I mean, it's a first it's of one all, one of those ones a- where that. So that song, you know, automatically people are like, "Man, this song's speaking to me." This song, um, some it's doing something for me. I wish the song was, you know, sixty minutes long. You know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have to put it on repeat. Um, that song, you know, I've had people uh, at shows. You know, I didn't explain what it was about or whatever. I just said, "Oh, this is going to be alive," and they've heard it or something like that. And it broke one one lady down, where she was just like, "It is so good to be alive." And I've, you know, had, you know, um, a death in the family, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those songs. It's just uplifting. That's what I wanted to do. There's too much negativity in the world, and uh, I just kind of want to, you know, give people some hope or um, build build people back up. I just. Right in any little way that an artist can do, you know? Well, um, a lot of that is done through live yeah. music and you are embarking on a nice cross country tour, including our great city in Philadelphia. Uh, you'll be doing that for yeah. the rest of the month. You even have a ton of tour dates through the end of, of October. Again, we'll link that in the episode description. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the idea behind this tour and then some of your favorite venues and cities to play in. Well, um, this tour kind of started, uh, in Texas. Um, and we went through Texas, we did South by the Southwest, and we went through like Louisiana and Mississippi, and I'm trying to make it to uh, a bunch of different markets a couple times throughout the year, so that'll be why I'm coming back to Philadelphia again in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But yeah, I just want to get this record out there, and, and uh, some of the, my favorite cities to play are, um, you know, uh, New York, I like a lot, Boston's a great one. Um, I like Portland and Seattle a lot. Um, Denver is a cool one. I've been, I've been back to Denver for a while, but, but I always love getting into Colorado. Um, yeah, there's just there's a lot of good a lot of good people out there, and uh, a lot of different experiences to have. And uh, I'm just fortunate that I get to get out there on the road, and uh, people come out and listen to me saying, you know, it's nice. So, what's the best and worst thing about touring? Uh, worst thing is being away. The best thing is being away. <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword. You know, uh, you, you get to have these adventures, but then you're also missing a ton of stuff. Like, for example, um, this next tour, my daughter's going to have, she's in kindergarten, she's going to have like this choir performance. And she just told me she was all excited. I, I get a solo part, I get the microphone. I'm like, I'm not going to be here for that. You know, um, but then the best thing is getting to see and meet new people and um, getting to see family that I don't get to see on a regular basis, you know, and yeah. friends. And um, 
and that's the cool thing because I get to keep up with a lot of people. Um, you know, I was, I was just up in Seattle and I, and this girl came out that I haven't seen since like high school. We went to like kindergarten, like junior high, high school, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, she lives up in Seattle now. She came out with her sister and I was like, Oh my God. And it was just a really cool thing. Like I do something that I entertain people. I mean, it brings people, takes people away. They get to suspend the reality for a little bit, you know, yeah. and, um, get to keep in touch and have these crazy ass experiences, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's like I said, a double edged sword though. It, um, Beautiful it's thing, good to be away and sad to be thing. away. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else so. did you want to add before we just we switched over last to TV and film? I don't know. Like, yeah, it's 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 an amazing album. That I just I love and I and I hope everybody else gets the most out of it uh, as what I did putting into it. And uh, I can't wait to try and get out there and, and see everybody that that wants to uh, hear it. And um, yeah, it's music, man. <laughs> yeah. I love that answer. It's music, man. That's going on a quote somewhere on one of our social medias. Uh, now, you, there you, go. you uh, like I said earlier, we can't make this uh, coming show on Friday, but you sure as heck can believe that Sam and I will be here when you come back uh, in October. We'll be there and hope to meet you and, and uh, get to chit-chat a little bit more. Um, but in terms of film, television, you said you're a horror movie guy earlier on in the interview. Yeah. What, what films would you recommend to the audience and what TV shows would you recommend to the audience? I mean, the same stuff that everybody kind of watches, you know, uh, Stranger Things is so amazing oh, because it's it's like Goonies, Never on Elm Street, it's all yeah. E.T., it's everything that I kind of grew up with, um, and it's all put into one, and that, that it's just done in such a great way. I'm always, we're always watching it, and I'm like, we watch like an episode at night or whatever when it comes out, and, and I'm just like, babe, let's stay up and watch another one, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, now we got to go to bed, and I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> that's when I watch it. You know, um, was season and, uh, one or season two better in your opinion? Well, oh, you know, I think it's got to be one, right? Really good. I mean, well, one is most like original. Sure, uh, yeah. agree. You know, yeah, movies are are just are the best. You know, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime it, it just comes out, it's always like usually the best one. Yeah. Um, and the, but they left enough loopholes and or to to kind of keep filling in stuff and I'm I can't wait to see where they go with season three I mean yep. like just really stoked to see what, what's going to happen so um you know that um I'm actually getting into Dexter like after so many years I know it's like you're a little late yeah. watching it and it's uh yeah it's one of our what, favorite shows what was that you're a little late yeah no I just, <laughs> just I a few am, years. I'm a little late to the party on this one but I just was like you know, babe, like we don't have anything to watch, and so many people have talked about Dexter. So let's give that a shot. It's you know? so good. So um, here's a quick one: yeah, Michael it, C. Hall, the main character who plays Dexter, just came out with a new show on Netflix called Safe. It uh, dropped on May okay. 10th, and it's eight episodes. When you're done with Dexter, I would highly, especially if you like Michael C. Hall's performance, highly recommend right. Safe. It is so beyond fabulous that i can't even recommend enough it's it's like becoming my favorite show of the year so far damn it it's good and we have a nerdy podcast we watch a lot of shit so to, to say that this is jumping to the top of the list means a lot definitely would check out safe and uh, for dexter i'd almost tell you to stop after the, the, season the, the, five the, the, no but that's no season six <laughs> stop after six Where, what season are you on now i'm on one. Oh, you're only on one wait till you get to four it's yeah, the yeah. best Four I is the best season of television I've ever watched. On this one. Okay. <laughs> another one another one that I really loved uh, was 13 Reasons Why. 
And I didn't really like it. Like, my wife was like, oh, all the kids are talking. My wife's a high school teacher. She's like, oh, you know, like, all the, you know, the kids are talking about this one. This one's supposed to be a really good one. I'm like, all right, let's check it out. Um, Kind of begrudgingly, I'm like, what's it about? Like, girl commits suicide. What is this? I'm like, I don't know if I want to be down. So I listened, or we watched it a couple times. I'm like, oh, these kids are such assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, this this doesn't happen. You know, this is, what, what is this? And then I'm hooked by, like, the third episode, I'm like, no, sure. no, we got to keep watching. This is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know where they're going to go with that, but um, season two drops that, really soon. Cool. Yeah. Season two comes out really soon. When does it drop? Uh, really yeah. soon. I don't. I think know it's, it's this year. I think it's like yeah. this month. I think okay. it's in the next month or two. So look, right. look forward to that. I guess while uh, you're on the road. There's a buddy of mine that's got. I, I want. I'm so a big horror movie guy, right? I don't get to watch as many horror movies as I used to. Um, just with kids, it's always watching like kid cartoons yeah. sh- I'm sure you know every episode so, of Paw Patrol yeah I, I bet yeah I, I've literally seen every episode of Paw Patrol <laughs> and um but yeah so we uh my buddy who's actually in Philadelphia he's a director I think it just got pushed into can or something like that but he wrote a film and just directed it it's called Epidemic mm-hmm. and I've read some really good things about it and saw some of the stills and, and um, shots from from his uh um from his uh, shooting of it, but yeah, he's, his name is Michael or, uh, yeah, Stephen Julio, and he's from, uh, he's in Philadelphia. Awesome. And so he's, it's this movie called Epidemic, and, and so I, I want to see that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but, uh, hoping he's going to give me a screener of it or something like that. Did you see the and, new uh, It? God, what was that? Did you see the new It movie? Of course I did. What'd yeah. you think? Yeah, of course I did. I, I, you know what? Um, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Um, I saw it in Seattle on tour, and I took my drummer, and he was just scared out of his head. <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, it was like Stand by Me. It was kind of like yes, yeah. It was tough. I. It's a really tough one because I I loved the first. I loved part one of the miniseries of you know the original miniseries and stuff. Um, I love that, you know, but now looking back on it, you know, he's kind of rose colored glasses. It's like, Oh, that is kind of cheesy or that is not really, this one was so much darker and you could tell that it was just going to be darker just because of all the reports on it. And, and, uh, you know, the director leaving, what was it? Fukujama. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. He left, um, in the beginning, but it was supposed to be super dark. And I've been following up with big Stephen King guy. Um, and so, I, I was really happy with it. I, I'm glad that they left some some things to be kind of um, summed up, but I'm, I'm glad that they also kind of went into more depth on on some pieces from the book, um, the turtle and those different types of things. That's where the miniseries missed it. Is yeah. it, it went obviously to the source material, but the, the book is dark as shit. Like the book is crazy deep and, and right. dark. And the, the first part, Andy Muschietti is the right guy for the job. He did really well for the first one. Looking forward to yeah, the yeah. second one as well. Yeah. And I thought that what's his name? There was a, there was a movie called, uh, I was with Sarah. No, it was with Jennifer Aniston and, um, the guy from, I think it was what's that one where they go to, uh, Las Vegas and they, uh, they go for buddy's bachelor, the, the, I think I'm, no, the hangover. Uh, Hangover, yeah, yeah. So there's a guy from that, and there's Jennifer Aniston, and she's like a stripper or something like that, but they're like some family that's got to do something. Anyway, there was a guy that was supposed to be playing Pennywise that was that kid. I don't know if you know know exactly what I'm talking about, but 
the best I can do right now. And uh, <laughs> so he, when, I, when they were casting like for Pennywise, and I'm like, oh, that kid would be perfect because he's so creepy looking. Um, I wish I could remember. We are the Marshalls. No, that's not. No. It's like something. We are something. Um, Wait, we are Millers. We are. The, we're the Millers. No, no, no. It's not. We are the Millers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid, the boy. Yeah. He's got this really weird forehead and like. Kind of uh, oh, I know exactly like, who you're oh, talking he would about. Be crazy. Yeah. For Pennywise, I'm like, oh, that would just be really cool. And then I saw who they got, and I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And the guy they got was perfect for it. Yeah, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, he's a creepy movies, but he was perfect. He brought this just this creepy ass thing. And I've read about the director outtakes and um, some of the stuff with the well um, and, you know, going back in time and the, eating the baby and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, I'd love to see that too. That'd be really interesting just kind of to see um, Pennywise's whole kind of, because these kids aren't just the first ones, you know, it's, right. it's been happening forever. And uh, Pennywise has taken many shapes and forms, but I guess the first one was when a circus came to town, right? Right. And that's kind of like when he when he when he turned into Pennywise. But um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's such a rad. Stephen King is amazing, and he's he's actually a writer that I look at. Um, if you ever read, um, if you take your craft seriously, you read other stuff. And mm-hmm. so I've read on writing, um, and it's by Stephen King. It's about his whole writing process and what he's thinking about, where he's at. But I mean, he, he writes like. You know, I can't remember how many words per day, thousand, two thousand words per day, you know, but just consistent and That's just crazy. kind of, I read this thing one time where it was this lady that was giving a conference for writers and she said, I now give you permission to write crap. And that was probably <laughs> the best advice for me. Um, because oftentimes as a writer, um, whether you're a songwriter or whether you're, a, you know, a book writer or anything, um, you tend to stop and not follow ideas that you don't think are going to be good enough, quote, quote, good enough, you know, that are not going to be the hit songs. So you're like, oh, I'll stop here. It's not going to be any good. But you don't know if you complete that song, that's going to lead you to the best song that you've never written. Right. You know, you got to follow your ideas out. And, um, and Stephen King just, that's what he does too. I mean, he follows these ideas out and he just, he's a machine, you know, he's like one of the greatest American, um, writers ever, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, what were we watching? Have you guys seen the um, Room Two Thirty Seven? It's Wait, a stand. It's like a. It's a film. I think it's on Amazon, something like that. We saw it the other night, um, just flipping through my wife and I, and uh, it's on Stanley Kubrick's process during the making of Shining, and I really want to see it, um, just because I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like anybody is. I want to see exactly where things came from or what, you know. I kind of seek like backstory on things so um but it's yeah room 237 that looked like a good one to check out um it's just the backstory or kind of more in depth of stanley kubrick's process and and kind of like a documentary of that filmmaking of, of the shining and uh, which is another great one but um did you hear yeah. real quick going back to it before we wrap up did you hear about the uh-huh. filming process for bill skarsgård in the pennywise makeup at all Probably a long time. He he. <laughs> well, he they did they filmed the rest of the movie before they did any Pennywise scenes, and they wouldn't let the kids see him in makeup until they yeah, yeah. until they started taping. That way, totally. it was like a genuine but, scare. But the kid that's in Stranger Things, right? Yeah, yeah. Finn Wolfhard. Like, yeah. They, they had a scene with him, right? And um, 
and and so Pennywise pops out or whatever and starts chasing after him and he's like screaming bloody terror. But after the scene, he's like, "That was really good, man. That was that was great. Good job with that." You know, <laughs> like super Hollywood kid, like yeah. you know, like totally knows that it's make believe. But but I guess they were pretty scared when it first happened. I mean, I would have ran out really of there. Kind of, <laughs> I don't play that game. Like uh, I was like, uh, I don't know about the the whole Pennywise costume, like where it went. Um, it was really kind of slender when they first out the drawings for it and everything mm-hmm. you know just how how different it was um you're always scared of what's different you know sure. you have yeah. tim curry tim curry yeah. you know iconic, iconic legend iconic pennywise you know you know burned into your brain you know but um i love how they did something different it was a bit older and that sets it up for that pennywise was older yeah. you know that this wasn't the first time that there were kids before that that have had this happen to them and stuff and the whole town and stuff. And it's just, uh, yeah. So I see it from that end, but, but, uh, I was really kind of nervous about it a little bit. I was like, mm, I wonder how this is going to go, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it, man, it's a, it's a great film. Hey David, film. thank you so much for taking the yeah. time to uh, chat with us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Everybody go pick up brave ones right now. Again, link in the description to go pick that up and listen to it. Uh, David's YouTube channel, his tour dates, social media, everything available in the description of this episode. Hey Dave, thank you so much for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Hang on the line for just one second and uh, we will see you next week for episode 92. Shout out to Alice the dog. <laughs>